You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform designed for and by outdoorsmen. Go Wild is a place to connect with other outdoorsmen, find fishing and hunting tips and tactics, and you can even research and buy your gear. Join hundreds of thousands of other hunters, fishermen, and outdoorsmen and experience what this community is all about. Download it today at DownloadGoWild.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back. Land and Legacy Podcast here. Adam and Matt. Um... You know, guys, uh, coming to you fresh off of, uh, oh, man, September 11th, 20-year anniversary. Um, yeah. Pretty stinking crazy that it's been 20 years. Seventh grade, walking into the gymnasium, Ryan Harris says, hey, a plane crashed in Twin Towers. World Trade Center. I didn't know what in the world he was even talking about. Small kid, Mansfield, Missouri, someplace in New York. And then we watched the news. Oh, my gosh, 20 years later, just still gut punch i don't know about you matt but i was at the farm and i just i'd get service in and out of work and just try to catch my breath in the shade and it's like every time i opened my phone there'd be some story and i just would find myself sitting in tears like oh my gosh oh my gosh it was uh for 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 me i grew up 50 minutes south of the pentagon yeah so like i was in a bedroom community for commuters and so a lot of the kids in my class, their parents were in the military or contractors. Um, so specifically, many of them and people that I knew worked in the Pentagon. Yeah. And um, so it hit close to home. I mean, I, re- I remember one of the biggest things that stood out to me the day of was all of a sudden, you know, we start day with a full class. And then by lunchtime, I mean, it was easy. A third to half of the kids were parents were coming and picking them up from school and we had like half class my mom worked at school and you know it was it was it just hit that community close to home 
Yeah. Um, and it's just, man, it, it's wild. But yeah, 20 years ago is, is crazy to think about. But in the families, the stories, like you're saying, I, I, I watched one today, um, a couple of days post, and uh, it's still just shocking what, what those individuals went through. Um, and then the families uh, afterwards, yeah. too. Yeah. It's just um, tragic. Yeah, very. Yeah, it was. It was. It's just one of those. Just another reminder that life is very, very short. And uh, man, just you know, one that really hit me was the the one I shared on our Facebook page. The guy had uh, had two kids, and he had another one on the way. And I'm right there. I don't even know if I've shared that on the podcast yet. But my wife and I are expecting another one coming in March. And it was like, man, here's a guy with two kids about the same age as mine. And another one on the way, and here he is doing something so heroic. And I'm just like, man, oh, man. Yeah. It just, yep. yeah, so sad. So, uh, yeah, anyway, 20-year um, anniversary, 9-11. What a, what a snap of your fingers, and time just went away. Sure did. Um, sure did. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's kind of one of the things about our our business of hopefully trying to help people learn their farms. Just a smidgen of time, just learn their farms, appreciate the creator God who who laid this all out and just a divine uh, creation and, and how you can reflect and converse and build a yep. relationship with him on your farm, on your landscape, build a relationship with your family, build a relationship with your your kids and or restore renew relationships um new friendships like that's kind of the base but man it, and so all of that is just so important and so crucial and we get to frankly ride around on a buggy or walk through people's property to help them do that begin that plan to create that that uh legacy effect with their farm and uh man it's something that i think we can take for granted fairly easily uh, in the day today grind, but man, what a what an awesome opportunity we have with landowners to to help them uh, on their place. Yeah, and, and you know we do talk about habitat, Adam, all the time. But you spoke on the relationships and <clears throat> the value that land has as a as a way to attract and pull people in. And I don't think that's just you know coincidental. I, I think that's the value of of owning land i think that's the draw and the connection the design that god had with land is to let me let me create something that you know i'm gonna i'm gonna use to to keep the people that i love close and speak to them and build those relationships on so you know if you're our landowner hopefully it's not just a recreational piece of property that that you think about i'm just gonna go there to hunt now i'm gonna go there to to um have peace, you know, maybe restore patience, maybe build relationships with my kids or my wife or whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's a fantastic way to spend time outdoors. And so, yeah, we, it's probably easy to take for granted, but, but that is truthfully the value of land. I, I don't think that that's ever going to go away. I think it's just, we as humans are so drawn to it and connected to it and uh, thank goodness we are because there's so much good to come from it. Yeah, absolutely. We come from it as well. I mean, there's a connection uh-huh. there. 
yep. we come from dirt. And uh, I, I heard that song, and my wife, I sent it to her, and she goes, did you go send me a Luke Bryan song? And I went, <laughs> he's in the song, but I think it's somebody else's song, but I'll give props. That's a good song. It's got good lyrics. That's a good song. And she yep. just sure. is like, I can't believe it. I used to be so outspoken. <laughs> for everything. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, and if you haven't no if you don't know what song we're talking about, just go to YouTube and put in By Dirt. It's a really good song. Yes. Um really good song. So anyway, um you know, this week we're going to jump on the phone call with uh other parts of Land and Legacy, Kyle Hedges, Frank Longcarriage, uh two biologists that have been with us for two and a half years now, uh with a many many more years of experience than you and I have, Matt, um yeah, when it comes to sure. managing land. Now, I say that because they're a teeny bit older than we are, so there's their experience and how they got it. They got a, a head start on us. <laughs> yeah, they do. But, um, you know, one of those things as we move forward in 2020, uh, 2022, you know, we're going into the fall, so you're going to hear success stories from clients. You're going to see pictures and different things on social media from our clients and people we get to work with, fortunate to work with, and the, and the success they're having. And ultimately, as Matt and I go into the fall, um, you know, I, okay, I'll just say it like this. We're more busy, more booked out in 2022 or the year previously than we ever had this early in the fall. So it appears that we're going to be very, very busy in 2022 in the spring. Um, and so there is a, you know, as we build and continue to, push forward and help more and more landowners this is my call to action for you guys if you're interested in having us come to your property in 2022 whether it be from the habitat restoration habitat management or improvement side the hunting strategy side financial farm management and and business opportunities as far as what you should be spending money on going over your budget from feed to minerals to tractor time and trying to cut your expenses in half or, or eliminate a lot of your expenses all of that comes into play so if you're interested in that um, and you're and you're interested shoot us an email at info at TV and we would be glad to discuss with you now as it looks there's going to be a need for uh, we want to we want to be on your property as quickly as possible. We don't want to say, okay, well, we're busy. We'll see you next year. It's like the quicker we get there, the quicker your farm can be improved, the quicker you can be headed in the right direction. And because of that, um, we're really uh, moving forward. Kyle and Frank are taking on more deer consults um, because uh, it's they have just as they have a, a ton of experience, a ton of success, and are a, a big part of what we're doing here. So. We're going to go over that on this week's podcast. Yeah, you know, we, we've, we've been blessed with God's, honestly, with God's blessings to, to have the business and be able to see it continue to grow. And so, you know, this isn't like something it's, oh, no, we're, we're seeing that there's so much work. Let's let's send Kyle and Frank out there. They have been working with us for two and a half years and and specifically how we write management plans, how we speak to landowners, how we communicate, you know, you're going to hear some of the experiences that they've had working with us and outside of their um, outside of land legacy, the, the experience that they bring to the table. Um, so, so these guys are just as much an equal part of the land and legacy team as Adam and I, um, they're very, very smart. They're wise. There's many podcasts that everyone can go and listen to. Um, 
to hear that and glean information off of them. So putting them, you know, in front of landowners is, is not something that I second guess I'm excited for because I know that the, the value that they bring to the table and as part of a, a land and legacy consultant, they're exactly what we're looking for. So yeah, here, here's, you know, interview with the two of them for a recap of the last two and a half years and, and kind of the, the future. So we're excited for, for them and the future for the business. And, and honestly, I think Adam, we can't say this podcast, you know, have this podcast without thanking everyone for listening and being so loyal from listening on the podcast and sharing these every single week with people. Yeah. And so um, we're, we're definitely blessed by that and, and grateful for it. Yeah. So with that being said, let's bring them on. All right, guys. Um, here we are with Mr. Frank Longcarriage. Frank, how you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys? We're good, man. What? Good. Wonderful. We're wishing for some yeah. rain. I know that much. Have you been yeah. getting any rain over there? No. You know, in fact, down here, I'm south in Neosho. About two weeks ago, they were getting some rains in Joplin and in the north side of Neosho, and we got nothing. I mean, not even a, a drop, and it was frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, we're pretty dry. Now, our farm up in Dade County has been getting some of those rains that we were missing down here. So, fortunately, it's it's looking pretty good up there, but here we're awful dry. Yeah, it's it's been wicked. You know, uh, we caught some rains early, like July, very first few days of August, and then it just kind of has the faucets kind of shut off, and we had an unseasonably wet summer for the most part, yeah. and it was just like, okay, well, that's great, but we know the faucet's going to shut off at some point, and boy, it's shut off hard, and now we're kind of going, oh, this is going to be, buckle up, boys, it's getting ready to yeah, get pretty bumpy. <laughs> yeah, that is, I mean, it seems like it's been doing that for, for a long time. I mean, like five, the last fall. five years, you can, the last five years, if you could say, you know, the driest month of the year, likely September, Going in the fall, it's going to be dry. Like just plan on it being dry, and and it totally yeah. changes. Like if 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 I was new to fall food plots, and I, I base base it off the last five years, I'd be like, mm, I don't. I, what do you got for me? You plant cereal yeah. grains late in October, or do you mm-hmm. plant early in 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 uh like july and try to get some brassicas going because if you're banking on putting seed in the ground in late august and it's gonna go great you are really really got the yeah. odds against you that's tough okay. or or just rely on those perennial plots try and get those established big enough so when you do catch some of those rains in early august it'll hold you over until it starts yeah. to open back up in late september october yeah. but oof, it's it's tough man it's really tough yeah, we yeah. did catch a little shower. We did a food plot. We did our food plots on our farm a couple of weeks ago, and we got a little shower on it. So we caught one of those pop ups, which mm. is kind of what the the pattern it seems to be. If you catch it right, you're in good shape. If you're not, you're you're dying. But um, so we did, and so that's that's good. Awesome, uh, awesome. Those cannot be relied on, though. No, it's it's been pretty stinking awful the last few years. Yeah, but but um, you know what? What hasn't been awful, Adam? Consulting. Man, we have been uh, we've been extremely blessed to be 
where we've been as busy as we have been that's that's thanks to all everyone listening um but but in the meantime behind and and some in front of the scenes certainly but but frank you and kyle we'll get to kyle later on but but you have have been a big part of that and i think a lot of people may not be aware of it um but man there's been really two to two and a half years of um a lot of incorporation of your guys's thoughts and your guys's work and joining us on consultations. And, uh, so if, if you will kind of speak on that, wh- what has been, what have you seen? What have you learned? What have you done in, in the last couple of years by hanging around two goobs like, like Adam and I? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good way to put it. That's an excellent <laughs> description of, of you two. But God, I'll tell you what it is. Um, and I've been a, a wildlife biologist for, Oh, nearly 20 years working in in some sort of state government and really joining you guys and doing the consultations has really rejuvenated um, my career. You know, you, you get kind of stagnant. I've been in the same job for, for going on 17 years, and I still love my job and love what I do. But sometimes you need something new. And, and man, this has really rejuvenated me. It has really, you know, just put a fire in my interest in wildlife management because it has challenged me to to think in ways that I normally don't at work, challenged me to think about things that and approaches that you guys are using. And I've been very fortunate to, to be from Western Kansas to Central Florida with you guys. And there are no two places on earth more different than Western Kansas and Central Florida, <laughs> right? That's but right. the thing is, the concepts are the same. If you're managing on a natural community basis, if you're managing for these early successional habitats, increasing the amount of forbs out there, increasing the amount of disturbance where it's needed. The concepts are the same in the species. I mean, they were, they wanted deer help in Florida and deer help in Kansas, two totally different places. But we, we, we came at it looking at what the landscape had, what the landscape's potential were, and how could we work with the environment and the landscape as it is to improve it using the disturbances of fire using the disturbances of, of some, some disking out in Kansas that really rejuvenated that gentleman's CRP stands and grazing where it's needed has been something that we recommend. So, um, I have, I have grown as a wildlife manager and I have grown as a student of, of white-tailed deer really specifically because my day job, I do some deer management. I don't, I don't do it to the extent that you guys have done it or are and are doing it but being with you guys for the last two and a half years has really challenged me to to really grow on that side look at how and one of the things that you guys bring to the table with with the consults when i say you guys but really us we all bring to the table with our consults is if it's a full consult there's there's a hunting management aspect of it and where to put stands at Man, that that has really caused me to, to to learn and to really dive into that portion of it because that's something, quite frankly, as a, as a state management biologist, I don't have to think about because mm. I'm putting a habitat out there and the people are determining where they're going to hunt. But we are putting in specific hunt management plans and some of these that are game changers, and I've that's really challenged me. So. Uh, that's that's saying a lot, but but to sum it all up, I guess that one, it's been a it's been a great two years. It's really rejuvenated me, but 
it's caused me as much as I've brought to the table, whatever that is, it's caused me to grow and learn just as much or more than what I've brought to the, to the, um, whole team. And so I'm, I'm really fortunate to be, be working with you guys. Oh, we appreciate it. Yeah. That's, that's some great stuff. You know, that's, that's the big thing I think about like, and, and what I wanted to talk about was you've been in the state agency, you've been in a biologist, management biologist for a lot of years now, but the way you're managing public grounds is really just enhance habitat, do things. Um, and could you compare the the difference between government-owned land and let's say whoever the person is or group of people that are sending the orders down, I want this to happen versus private landowners that we work with? Yeah. So, yeah, that that's a great question. And, and the first thing to think about when we're when we're talking about publicly owned land and what administrators may want uh, and what biologists want to get done is that we are serving a pretty diverse customer base, if that's the way to put it. Yeah, we have some people that want those areas managed for deer only, or or for quail. Or for, on the case of prairies, or or for you know for a diverse floral arrangement, um, or hiking. So there's all of these different user groups that are competing. In some cases, some cases they they work close together, but there's a lot of different asks from a lot of different user groups. And I, as a manager, cannot just go 100%. And, you know, throw out everything else that, that I don't want to deal with. I'm going to focus on this one thing 100% of the time. I, I just can't afford to do that because we have such a diverse user group and they yeah. pay their taxes in Missouri that, that goes to this. And so that's that's quite different than a landowner has complete control and complete um, say so of what goes on the property and who can use the property and, and what they want to do with the property that uh, autonomy is something that that i i uh, sort of envy as a, as a public lands manager sometimes i would like that autonomy and um i get don't get me wrong i've got a lot of freedom in my work i'm i'm super blessed with administrators that allow me a lot of freedom but there's still all of those sometimes competing user groups that um, don't allow for um, maybe the, maybe the type of management that I want to do a hundred percent of the time. And, and that's, and that's just the game you play with state state government. I mean, there's a lot of different users. And so you've got to, you've got to include those folks. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it probably challenges, challenges you though, too, to, to think about, you know, all the middle ground that you can have and, and the flexibility in managing lands and looking at diverse plant communities and how to create those that fit the that middle ground for all those interest groups and and that right there is definitely can be translated over into private land management for landowners and, and frank we've we've worked in a bunch of different states and um personally have seen you the way you communicate to landowners um not only just good solid recommendations but just like the explanation of why and who this benefits from a habitat standpoint uh and, and a wildlife specifics uh, i know 
you really nerd out on like the the nitty gritty details mm-hmm. of why an animal does something. And yeah. um, to, to be able for you to be able to communicate that over to a landowner, man, it's like they're getting some really deep stuff. But but you as a teacher, as a consultant, um, it's been good to really see that. And for me, and I know Adam too, we've learned a lot from you and Kyle both. And so um, there's definitely that mutual shared um, resource of, you know, educating and delivering a message to landowners. So, um, definitely has gone back and forth. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're pumped for, for the future as to what the land legacy is going to continue to grow and, and be in. And, and Adam was, we're looking across into 2022, I mean, there's just a ton of work. There's a ton of work that, that people are, um, entrusting us to do. And we're super, excited and know firmly and believe that you and Kyle are going to be a big part of that and a big part of those consultations, um, you know, on your own out there working with those landowners. So it's, it's just, it's cool to be able, you know, to get to that point where it's not, I want to say, and I'm air quoting, uh, you know, training or, or what, what have you, but Adam and I, we just took the, the route of let's make sure that whoever we bring on, man, they're right. They're qualified. So it was quite a bit of time and a lot of trips to a lot of different places that, man, these guys, wherever they go, they're, they're spitting out some amazing information, but also more importantly, at the end of it, the product, that consultation, that report, that management plan, that's some really good stuff in there. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to take some landowners to new heights, new, um, new new directions that I don't think that they could have ever really envisioned for their property. And that's what right. you want. And so right. and, for you to be a part of that moving forward is we're we're excited about. Well and and I appreciate that and I and I'm super pumped about it. I'm 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 looking forward to, to the future um more than I can tell you. And that's one of the, the cool things that, that the four of us bring to this team is we all have different um we all have different talents. We've all been blessed with different talents and abilities and, and things that interest us. And one of the things that I'm interested in is how species interact with their environment and, and also population dynamics. So how does the, how does weather, how does landscape, how does the surrounding landscape as a whole affect species um, production and, and, and recruitment? The whole dynamics part of it is, is really is really interesting to me, and I know that for people that that know Kyle and me um, fairly well, we're you know we tend to get kind of boxed in as maybe upland guys, and, and and we certainly on our own Instagram we certainly do post more upland stuff than anything, but um, that's not what we are a hundred percent. So for instance, we have our own farm up in Dade County, Missouri, which is north and west of Springfield a little bit that we manage specifically for deer and turkeys because there's it, it the farm's just not suited for for quail management and there's there's really no no birds around anywhere close and and we really work hard on that with with TSI with prescribed burning with food plots everything that we we recommend to landowners we're doing that we're putting it on the ground from from um, food plots to game camera management, the whole nine yards we're implementing on our own farm. And I love that aspect of it 
especially because I've got a 16 year old that it's really ate up with it. And he loves to be a part of that too. So we can, when we do also bring a wealth of knowledge from the whitetail and wild turkey world into what we do, we've just been, they grew up as upland bird hunters. Our family were upland bird hunters. Our jobs with the state has been mostly tied to upland. So that's kind of the direction we've gone, but, but be, be sure that our, our talents can go well beyond that. And, and um, I've sure learned a lot also from you guys in the last two and a half years. And that's really been exciting for me. You know, Adam, when I, when I think about like that, uh, a transition or a foundation from a career standpoint, Frank, they, they started with something really difficult to, to learn and grasp the nuances of managing quail and other upland species and the plant communities that go along with that is a very intense, let's say, study. So making a transition into managing for white-tailed deer specifically or wild turkeys is a really pretty easy transition. Like there's not much of a learning curve there. Um, going the opposite way, if you're solely on white-tailed deer and that's your foundation to manage specifically for Bob Whites, there's a lot more to learn in that situation. So, you know, from, yeah. a, from a background, a foundation, these guys are that's what we identified early on. Like, man, they are so set for a hundred percent. When you think about it from the standpoint of trying to train a guy to, okay, we're going to take this guy, he's whoever, and we're going to teach him how to, to create amazing habitat for Bob white quail. It's going to be a lot longer of a row to hoe than, or to, uh-huh. and to teach them and saying, okay, we're going to teach you how to, have more deer on the property, bigger deer on the property, and then, you know, and then eventually the next step say, and then how do you harvest those deer on the property? That that one's fairly easy, uh, and it's a whole lot easier when the person understands disturbances, natural plant communities, and basic ecology uh, language. It, it, and that's where it's like, you know, there's nothing amazing or anything really outside of the box thinking that Matt and I have done with our, with Land and Legacy and then working with Kyle and Frank. It's just, we've taken some really good principles and really good management techniques and then blended it into really trying to improve hunting. And then, and so like the stuff that Matt and I've done, you guys have been using forever on state ground for managing for quail, mm-hmm. but then tying that in and go, Oh, actually, if you set this up like this, now it hunts really well too. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. Well, that's one of the things that, that drew, drew me, I know, to, to working with you guys. And, you know, when you guys came to Kyle and me with this opportunity, that was something that I personally, and I know Kyle did too, I had to step back and say, okay, who, because I, I knew Adam, but Matt, I didn't know you. I knew Adam a little bit and, and Chad too. Um, but I didn't know everything about, certainly everything about your company and what you guys were about. So I did a little research and, and it didn't take long to, to know that, okay, we're of the same mind with respect to managing on a community basis. And that's the focus. The, the, the health of the land is the focus and everything else can kind of flow from that. So it was an easy decision. Once I, once I saw what you guys were about, um, it was really the decision for, for, for me to, to want to join you guys, because I think we were coming 
from a very, very similar place. That's right. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think one of the first times I heard you guys present, I was like, oh, yeah, these guys get it. We're on the same page. Uh, it's just your day-to-day seemed to be you were you when you first presented or when I first heard you guys, you were in the dead heat of that quail research project. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're talking a lot about quail. And then, of course, I was sitting there going, cattle and quail. Hmm, this is a key point right here because – this could be what ties it all together for a lot of landowners in in yep. the Midwest. And so yep. uh, for me, it was like, ooh, I like this. I, this is the stuff because that's ultimately what we're looking for, trying to find ways to tie it all together, whether it be timber harvesting, whether it be cattle operation, crop operation, and then, of course, wildlife. It's very hard, and that's where I think a lot of landowners struggle is, trying to maximize quail or maximize uh, wildlife as well as still making income. And so many times you either have really, really good deer hunting properties and everything else is kind of can either follow in line or get out. And then you have this one's devoted all to cattle. And if the wildlife can make it great, if they can't, well, so be it. And we yeah. come along with your guys's research and background and Matt and I's background and really managing and layout of, of properties and natural resources and going, oh, we can really, ultimately, that's what the farms we set up. There's a lot of different, there's a lot of different things happening that really make the farm something like not many people have ever witnessed, which is unfortunate. Yeah, right. It's so, unfortunate, but it's cool to be a part of that process. Yeah. To create something that people haven't ever really seen, ever taken part in and hunted and and whatnot so they've been close they've been close but missing those key elements is is the big thing sure absolutely yeah i I was talking with a a guy the other day and wrapping up a um consultation um that's a kind of presentation of his management plan and i was like hey i just want you to know like in this region I, i i grew up in this region but but really there's no mold to follow you have to create your own mold and and it's laid out before you in this plan but but you're creating something that this region probably doesn't have half like no no, there's not there's not a plan out there that's going to be very similar to this at all you're going to create something from scratch good luck (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well frank we appreciate you coming on we got we're gonna have uh kyle on now too. talk with him and and uh but man we just can't thank you for all your uh, wisdom that you've shared with us, all the time you've devoted to Land and Legacy being a part of the podcast, and hopefully uh, as we move forward in 2021, people will be hearing from you guys more and more and realizing that, man, we've only scratched the surface on the amount of uh, research and wisdom and, and overall experience that you and Kyle have. And uh, so I hope people are prepared right. for 2022. Great. Well, I, I, like I said before, um, thank you so much for for including me and Kyle. It's been a it's been a great um, couple of years. It's been reju- rejuvenating, and I, and I look forward to to more podcasts. Look forward to more certainly consults and whatever else the future holds. Yeah, as our church says in their mission, and we kind of have piggybacked on it for our business. But the best is yet to, the best is yet to come. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, where you have now, we just got off the phone with Frank, and we're going to um, talk to his his partner in the dynamic duo of those two, Kyle Hedges. What's going on, man? 
Hey, not too much. Glad to be on here. How is the the world of 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 public land management for doves been this fall? Oh, pretty good. Uh, wasn't wasn't a record breaking year by any means, but um, we probably had. I've got a couple main dove management sites uh, on the public land stuff that I manage, and opening day killed over a thousand doves between those two sites so that's a pretty big pile of doves yeah yeah here's a question for you so a lot of your summertime now yeah i'm just going to try to blow through this because uh, i'll try not to bore people with details or you and i really get in the weeds here but in a day to day to day 12 month calendar you're really just trying to manage farms for a uh, manage public lands for a lot of different animals in a lot of different seasons so you go from um, a lot of management for upland birds a lot of management for turkeys a lot of management for migratory birds uh, like uh, doves Um, are there other species that really come in like white-tailed deer just kind of falls into place you do food plots though correct right yep we do some food plot specific stuff for deer so mm-hmm. to be honest with you, most of most of the public lands management we're doing is is what we call natural community management. So we're trying to manage the the landscape for the way it was, right? Yeah. Um, whether it's a native landscape, and whatever wants to live there can live there. But so doves are kind of an exception where we intentionally target one specific bird um we do some very and that's because you can it's simple to do you can do it in a very confined space and and it works pretty easy um we do go ahead and it's one of the earliest seasons of the fall and it's kind of a family can be a family group event so you can totally see why there's time and money spent into managing doves from a public land perspective yeah, we get a lot of bang for our buck out of public use that way. You know, a few days, a whole bunch of hunters, a lot of satisfaction just in a in just a short matter of time. Yeah. But but yeah, most of what we're doing is more on, you know, what Lane and Legacy stands for is more of managing native landscapes for for what they should be. But we'll certainly, you know, add food plots here and there. Honestly, most of the public lands food plots other than doves aren't for the game they're for the hunters let's be <laughs> yeah. honest they're people food plots people want to set a deer stand on public land near a green wheat field or a corn field or a some type of fall blend i mean that just expect that yeah so a lot of it is for people management huh so when you're doing all of that um if you're managing for a quail versus the deer, um, obviously there's probably a little bit of a, a difference in how you would go about that. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Based on that, if you had a farm and it was surrounded by quail hunters, let's just say your farm, you could pick. All my neighbors are quail hunters managing for quail, or all my neighbors are deer hunters managing for deer. What would you rather have? On to be surrounding my public land? Nope. To be surrounding your own private farm that's four hundred acres, if you will. Oof. 
That's tough. I've I always said I would rather it be quail guys because they're <laughs> well, gonna they're gonna have amazing yeah. habitat and then they're gonna blow yeah. in there with shotguns beginning in November and they're gonna <laughs> and run push the deer all the out deer there. on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would have to go with yeah. I w- I would have to agree. I'd probably go, but I actually have exactly both of those situations. I personally own. Now there's not great quail management around my quail farm in Kansas. Uh, but then I've got another farm that my dad owns that I will inherit someday that is not a quail. It's bottom land. It's deer and turkey farm. And there's it's deer and turkey management around it. So I actually have both of those scenarios. And they're both neat in their own way, you know. Yeah. So If you had to pick just one. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go with the quail thing because I could have my cake and eat it too. Uh, yeah. It may not may not be tricked out the best possible deer situation but it would be good quail and i would still have deer uh if i if you select the deer one you don't have quail yeah you you, you select the deer farm with deer management around you unless you're in the perfect world somewhere in texas or something you don't probably have not a very huntable quail population if you had any quail yeah yeah so been been part of Land Legacy for two two and a half years now, um, and you were in you're still currently in public land management. How how many years have you been doing management of uh, working as a biologist? Twenty six years now as a public lands manager between Kansas and Missouri. So between twenty six years there, two and a half with us. What is the kind of compare the two? Well, so. You know, public lands comes with its own constraints, obviously. Um, again, a lot of it's people management uh, where you tr- you want to do the best for the native landscape or try to restore native landscapes. Um, this people often, you know, claim, oh, Missouri Park Conservation, they've got all the money in the world. Well, that's not true. <laughs> you You do it. With not enough people and not enough money, there's never enough people and money. And to put that in perspective, you know, I've got a myself and three other people um, had for several years. Uh, situation's a little different now, but for several years had 22,000 acres of public lands, four of us to manage that. Yeah. You, you can't get over that. You, you can't manage that. It's the whole 80 grit, 20 grit deal, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't manage that with a fine tooth comb. It's just yeah. too much. So you got to pick and choose. Yeah. There's places that you let Sarisa take over because you just can't get to it. Um, yeah. So there's those kind of constraints with public land. you still have to go to training. You still have to, it's not, you can't be outside every day doing good stuff for, for nature yeah when you're working for a government organization you know there's bureaucratic level of of stuff that just goes with the job yeah Um, yeah the the private land side and i've done private lands work in my government job as well um cost share stuff and different things so i had some exposure to that before land and legacy but obviously what we do with with you guys is you know way more detailed um writing way more detailed plans and it's really satisfying i guess gratifying to be able to really dial in with someone that you know potentially can can do 
everything can focus on every single acre yeah that's never an option in the public land side where so we can write plans and we have written plans and been involved with plans with you and without you where we've got down to that kind of nitty-gritty of hey right here you need to do this right there you need to do that and that's kind of fun to really try to trick out a farm yeah um yeah it's just an opportunity i think that's the that's the cool part and i hope everyone else picked up on it because you said that you've been managing public lands or in a public this this role for 26 years but what you also said at the same time was that you've been managing for natural plant communities with 26 years of experience. And, and, and that's, that's a lot of experience. I'm not calling you old, but I'm just saying <laughs> you've, you've been and seen and done a lot. I mean, I mean that, that does a lot of experience of exactly why you and um, Frank were so, let's say um, up there in, in, people that Adam and I wanted to be on the land of legacy team because that, that type of uh, experience and, and detail that you guys can provide and knowledge of managing the, the natural plant communities is what, what we need on our team, what we need on, um, you know, as a consultant going out and working with individual landowners and representing the land of legacy brand. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of time and a lot of experience to get out there and produce the quality of plans that we want everyone to have on their, on their, um, their private lands. And we've both seen it. I know um, Adam and I both have been on properties that, that you've been on um, and seen, and we've all worked together on plans and, and it's just, I mean, Adam, I don't want to speak for the, for the both of us, but I would say confidently that, you know, Whenever someone has Kyle come to the property, it is going to be a really good product, very detailed, well thought out, well laid out, huntable deal. And, and, and man, it's been two and a half years we've been working together, but I can say that really confidently that Absolutely. that's what's going to happen. Absolutely. Yep. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Those are kind words. And I, I would hope after basically a lifetime, I mean, I'm, I'm within five years of eligibility for retirement. So I would hope after a career of it <laughs> that I've learned something. And and just like you guys talk about all the time on podcast, hey, I've made plenty of mistakes, right? That's that's one of the glories of public land management is I've been able to experiment with all kinds of different things. So let's try this. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and matt and i you know, really can't do problem. that with pri- with the with another guy's property like you know what let's just try this and it doesn't right, work right. like we can do that on our own place but we can't do that with with our clients it's like hey you know what instead of this plant let's plant this and see what happens mm. bingo yeah that's, that right. that's not yeah. a good business plan when you start doing that with other people's money and saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's try it. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, that Frank or I are fiscally irresponsible with government money. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But, but <laughs> we we have the opportunity to, to experiment a little bit and try some things. And we have. And, yeah, you know, and, and with all those years, uh, yeah, you see some things that work. You see some things that don't. Um, yeah. You see some things, I don't know, just, you know, fire is a big one. Man, there's some huge differences in 
not just, you know, a growing season fire and a, a dormant season fire, but I can show you massive differences between a January 25th fire and a February 25th fire on certain years. Um, and mm. I've lived it and done it and, and I can start predicting those kind of results, you know, over time because I've done it enough. So I don't know. It's, it's nice at this point in my career, I look back and think, gosh, I wish I knew half of this. 25 years ago it would have been a lot easier but you know you said something too that made me chuckle because we did a podcast on it not too long ago and it was was called 30 years to nowhere and um basically you know when you say like well i'd hope so after 27 years that i figured this out (laughs) you know what the unfortunate side is is that there's been land management like you know, do this for deer. You need a food plot. You need to put minerals. You need to put feeders. And it's like, there's that's been preached for almost 30 years. And we, and oh, yeah. we really, really haven't gotten anywhere. <laughs> it's just like, who's been saying this? How do we yes. keep going down this road? Like, we have to not just stop and veer left. It's like, no, you know, almost like the dumb and dumber. You went 3,000 miles or 1,000 miles <laughs> in the wrong way. Like, we we didn't just missed the turn we went wrong turn and went states and states away down the wrong path and so it's it's funny that you acknowledge like i'd hope after this long that i would be good at my job and of course you are um and but don't just think that because somebody's been doing something for that long means that they've been doing it right (laughs) because they're probably really stuck in their ways too that's how men are well, hey, welcome to the quail world. I mean, <laughs> th- those that aren't familiar with Frank and I's massive research project that turned quail management in Missouri upside down on its head because of what yep. what's been going on for you know decades. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's funny because like Adam at our, our church this morning, one of the verses that was Romans twelve two. It says, "Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind." It's like, yes, that's what we're talking about. Don't just follow suit. Just renew your mind. Think bigger. Think broader. And and you're going to have this revelation that, man, there's more stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's, oh, it's fun to see, too. I mean, when the light bulb goes, it, it's fun to see, to transfer some of that, um, yeah. a 26-year career or, or whatever, when, when I'm with a landowner, and you guys see it all the time too, when the light bulb finally goes off in their head, right? You know, it's, it's usually halfway through day one. Sometimes maybe it even takes longer than that, but usually halfway through day one on their farm. And yeah. it's like, ding, they start getting it. You yeah. know, they start, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, look, the deer are eating this. Oh, look, the deer, I never yes. noticed they're eating that plant. And they're eating, oh, look over here. And or, they start showing yeah, you stuff. Yeah, you're know, like, look, okay, they're eating this. I've been telling you this. And you're like, look, there's nothing here for them to bed in in this timber. And then you're like, wait, let's go over there and look at that little bitty clump of whatever that is. And we walk over there and it's like, bam, there's a deer bed that's bare ground. And it's like, yep. ding. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah. So yeah. you're saying we need to rake out the leaves? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, it is fun. It's, it's enjoyable to see that transfer of information. And I don't know, it's, it's yes. been really fun um, getting involved with, with Land and Legacy and 
It's going to be a lot more fun right. uh, in the in the coming years, probably even this this next year. Uh, twenty twenty two is going to be exciting year for us, and I know we're we're excited. And as we said with with Frank on, the best is yet to come. That's it. Yeah. Yep, so Kyle, yep, thanks for yep. coming on, and uh, man, I can't wait to have you guys on more regularly, um, sharing more. You know, as we get into fall, you guys are going to be deer hunting a lot. I know Frank said his son's going to be getting after it, so hopefully we can share a lot of stories and strategies, and um, kind of really uh, and have a fun fall as we get ready for uh, heavy consulting starting in December, January. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to all of it. Oh, that's some great stuff from Kyle and Frank. Uh, discussion with Matt and I. It's just one of those things as we continue to grow, continue to move forward each and every season, uh, uh, more growth, more consults, pick up a few new states. At this point, I'm not sure how many more new states we can add when you look at the range of white-tailed deer and bobwhite quail. Um, there's not a lot of places left to go. Minus uh, west and the extreme northeast. But, um, guys, you know, when we started Land Legacy, it was one of these great ideas. But how, how scalable is it? How how big can we make it or how big of an impact ultimately is what we were going for? How many more landowners we can help? And, you know, the, there's a reason why it's not called Die Keith or KD consulting or anything with our name is because it's never really been about just Matt and I. It's always been how do we continue to grow uh, and bring on um, the right fits like Kyle and Frank to where, you know, it may not just be Matt and I coming to your properties. It it may be somebody else. Um, but ultimately, we're going to have a big impact of, of what they're doing. So, like, if Kyle and Frank are on a property, Matt and I still see the reports. One of us will still see the reports and sign off on it. Not not saying that they're not qualified, but just so you guys understand, like, it's it's kind of a – you get four people for the price of one. You get the impact of each one of us uh, in, in our consulting services. So – Hopefully you guys keep that in mind when it goes to uh, 2022 consulting season as we continue to add more consults and uh, more requests coming each and every day. So, guys, we appreciate you listening this week, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>